0: Welcome to Librarians Aloud, a podcast about librarian journeys. I'm your host, Laura rooney ferris I just realised in the last week that Librarians Aloud has been around for almost exactly seven years, give or take a few very large breaks in transmission. I'm a very neglectful creator, so I can't remember the exact date, but it was sometime in October 2015. The mission of the podcast, in as much as there is one, has always been to amplify librarian voices and to let them tell their stories. So this episode's guest is a fitting one in having a similar mission to turn the mic on the library. Martin O'Connor is the Communications Coordinator at UCC Library. He's a well-known figure in the Irish Library scene and a titan of Library Twitter. He's published and presented extensively on library outreach and exhibitions, social media and marketing. He co-runs the Irish Library blog, Libfocus, and he's the voice behind Shush! Sounds from UCC Library, a weekly radio show bringing the sounds and stories of UCC Library and its staff. We talked about how he's forged his own path through his library career. Uh, working on the collaborative Sir Henry's Exhibition Project for UCC Library, developing Shush and putting the social in social media. Our conversation starts out with my extreme jealousy, admiring the lovely pod booth in UCC. Um, I've got my eye on it. I'm delighted to finally have you on
1: Librarians <laughs> Aloud. This feels like it's been a long time coming, yeah. but it feels like it was one of the most natural and obvious uh, guests for <laughs> Librarians
2: Aloud. You know, because I remember in, was it 2016 or something? We discussed this initially and I was all signed up and I'm sorry to say I chickened out. <laughs> 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 but I think I'm, as you said, uh, I also kind of regretted not chickening out. So I'm really happy. Now, at last, we're doing it.
1: <laughs> we're finally getting around to. it. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad that I finally started doing them again, so yeah. that we we can we can get back yeah. to having this conversation that feels like it's it was always meant to be.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I know, so am I. So am I.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so I, I'm I'm just looking at your 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 lovely pod booth setup there. Oh, I think yes. you're, You definitely take the prize for the uh, the librarians allowed guest who's in the most suitable. Location for recording in your
2: lovely pod booth. I oh, know. I yeah. I'll, I'll give a shout out to it. It's uh, uh we've got a podcast studio uh, in the basement of the building, which is like uh, as the name says. It's, it's you know it's it's where you go when you want to make podcasts. So and mm. we have a recording studio outside for no recording video. But this is the first time I've actually used the podcast studio, and I have to give mm. a shout out to Martin and Stephanie for their helping me. Having it set up so I'm just uh there's another Martin in the library, so I'm give shout out to yeah. two of them. So. And
1: and I'm I'm seething with envy and um <laughs> maybe if I ever get down to corporate purposes, I'll I'll come in and, and have Thank a you. nose around because I'm very, very curious to get a look at it. Right. Um so Martin, you're you're there in you're you're the a legend of UCC and a legend oh, of the know. Irish library community.
2: I don't um, know. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Take the compliment.
1: I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> but you know, uh, I suppose we'll we'll get back to you know the the librarians allowed approaches your library origin story. So okay, yeah, so you know, you, you you've said once that you took a securitist route
2: to I did. Yeah,
1: to uh, the library world. Where where did that all start?
2: Uh like a lot of people who work in libraries. Um, it was a lot of circumstance and chance. Mm -hmm. Uh, I came back to college as a mature student when I was 25 and I came back to do English because my dream was to go into publishing and I did arts in first year and one of the subjects I took was sociology which I knew nothing about before I started and I Mm -hmm. fell in love with that. So English went by the wayside and then for my undergrad, I did Sociology and Philosophy, and then I did an MA in Sociology, and I was on the PhD part. I had been provisionally accepted on a PhD programme, which would have been contingent on my results. And in March of my first year of Sociology, uh, a friend of mine ended up working in the Libraries of Student help, And then another friend ended up, and then another friend, and then we were told there's a library job, so... I applied, I got it, and within a few months I was in love with the job. So, and I had a really, really good boss, um, um, a lady called, um, Una Nacongila, I can't pronounce her surname, it's an Irish name, but (laughs) Una, I'll call her. And she kind of took me under her wing and I was allowed to do jobs which were not for student help. So I was doing a lot of library assistant work and she really encouraged me and, uh, um, at this time, then it was a chance that came into it. You know, the library assistant positions came up. She so encouraged me to go for them. I got it and I ended up working in the library and I've been mm-hmm. here ever since. So my life, you know, my life would have been a whole lot different if I hadn't ended up working here. So, but, yeah, so it was I my love chance.
1: That, yeah, I love that, kind of, that, that that so many librarian stories begin with the happy accident of yeah. somebody and, and a happy accident and someone seeing the potential and giving someone an opportunity to see what the job can be.
2: Yeah because uh, her words to me is you have what it takes, you have something in you that's a librarian so Mm. and within a few months she had seen that and it's possible if I ended up working on another floor I wouldn't have had that encouragement and I would have gone you know would have went through, would have got my master's and then I said right I'm off my PhD. So Mm. again it's really really chance you know, so and there's a lot of us because uh, um, a few years back I was speaking with one of my colleagues and I asked her how did she end up working in the library, and it was a question for my wife because my wife knows her and she asked how did mm. Anne end up working, so I asked her and she said it was accident, and then I realised a few was like that, so I actually put a call out on Twitter mm. asking how do people end up in the library, and I think you are one of the people who replied as well, and it was ba- I wrote a post for Lib Focus and mm. I call it the accidental librarian.
1: I and think yeah. all librarians are accidental <laughs> librarians because yeah. there's so much, there's so little you can know about it until you kind of get into it, and you yeah. need you need that portal to be opened for yeah. you to, to, to kind of show you the way in, and yeah. it's as much about kind of the opportunity to get the job as it is about somebody kind of showing yeah. you the potential that yeah. it's not just about uh, getting that first job on the library career ladder. It's about yeah. somebody doing what was done for you and saying yeah you've got the potential this is this is what the job can be and this is yeah. what you can make it yeah and um, so once you got in then as a library assistant what were your first kind of impressions of of working full time yeah. in the in the library
2: um i was lucky that i started out in the medical library out the cuh because mm. we were a satellite library so we basically we did everything you know mm. so we did Obviously, the service desk, we did our collections, which was our shelving, we did our information literacy, we did interlibrary loans. So I had a really, really good overview and I was out there for six months. And then I was moved into the Boo Library and I ended up on the arts and humanities section. Mm-hmm. And again, I had another really encouraging librarian um, um, who encouraged me who, who to take on projects. I was. Mm-hmm. It was like a bunny rabbit when I came in I had all these ideas <laughs> and I was going okay I'd like to do x y or z and um our librarian said okay go for it so then I got a lot of experience like that so I worked in uh and and, and um open arts and humanities we were um a lot of information desk work so I got to know a lot of students mm. and I got a lot of teaching experience there But we were also doing, I'm somebody who who used to love shelving.
1: Like Mm. I
2: would love to, like, we would do one or two hours a day. And I think everybody should shelve, you know. There's something
1: very uh, meditative. Yeah. Like Just taking a bit of time out and and fixing some shelves.
2: And I find it helps you to think. Mm. When you're shelving, your mind is, you know, there, there might be problems or issues that you're having or trying to sort out. And the shelving, it used to help me. Kind of you, you, because when I was writing something, I'd be shelving and ideas would be playing away in my head, but mm. it was a lot of that sort of work. And I was an Arts and for a number of years, and then I ended up in uh, I ended up on the science floor for another two years, and then I ended up in the social sciences, which was my baby because I knew the topic, mm. I knew the students, I knew the lecturers, and I was really in my element. But at this, uh, uh, I was still uh, like entry level library assistant and then we got a senior library assistant panel came up and I applied for that and I ended up working in acquisitions so Mm -hmm. I I was looking after the copyright journals which was a whole new thing for me I I was away from the user as away from the student which was always what I loved except I liked the the organization you know side of it when I was doing acquisitions and I was in there then for two years and then we uh I then moved out against the social sciences and then and, and then I moved into collections. But whilst I was doing this, I also took on the social media mm. because, as as you probably know, uh, I'm really active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, have and have been
1: like from, you were
2: one of the one wa- librarians yeah. who I remember being on Twitter kind of very early on. Like. And I'll give a shout out to Michelle Dalton for that because she's somebody mm. who, who probably encouraged at that time, I'd say, anybody she knew, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter because of my job, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of Twitter. people are.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: so, and there there was another, uh, at the very start, we kind of dipped our feet into social media. We had a Twitter account, we had a Facebook account, but they were run by somebody who was at the service desk, who didn't really have an interest in it, and then an opportunity came up for me to take on the social media, so I took it. So for a number of years, then I was doing senior library assistant, and I was in collections, but I was also doing our social media. And I, it was an area that I was moving in mm. at that stage. And then um, I went for a promotion and I got a grade five, which is the level I'm at now. But it was a UCC wide promotion. So I was, act- uh, I was technically an administrative assistant. So mm. I wasn't a librarian, which was awkward. You know, when you go to a conference, I love to be able to say, yes, I'm. X, Y and Z. But mm. I what I was saying to people, I don't know, oh, actually, uh, I'm an administrative assistant and I then had to explain what I do. But then last year, an opportunity came up. Uh, uh, we've had a lot of new exciting roles in UCC Library yeah, in the last few years.
1: Big changes there. Yeah. Lots of exciting stuff going on. Yeah. Right so,
2: and one of those roles that came up was one for um, UCC Library Communications Coordinator and I which said I have a little bit
1: like a description of you.
2: Yeah, you know, because I was looking at the job description and I was going, OK, that looks nice and that I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. Mm. So I applied for it and I was lucky enough to get it. So I've been in this role now for the last year and three months and I'm loving it. I'm still finding my feet. It was a completely mm. new role. So I, uh, I I was able to define it myself, which I'm still doing. With a lot of guidance from Alan Carberry, who was one of your first guests, so I mm-hmm, give a shout Very out to Alan. Guess. Yeah, so I'll give a shout out to Alan here. He said when I went into the role first, it's my role I can run with it, and if mm-hmm. I need assistance, he's there for me. So, but it's uh it's one that I'm learning. And for the first year, I had a library assistant working with me, and she was really good. We worked as a team, really, really well, and we kind of upped our our social media game definitely, and mm-hmm. we upped and we. We also update. We also update other communications channels. And unfortunately, Molly left in May, so I've been running the show on my own the last few months. And I'm good Mm -hmm. because I'm learning a lot of new stuff that I would have given over to Molly. So I'm still learning in the role, and I probably will still be learning in another five years if I'm still in the same role. So, yeah. So, so now I like to be able to say, yes, I'm communications coordinator at GCC Library. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So.
1: And I think, you know, from what you're saying, it demonstrates as well that it's the type of role where, you know, you can have the... You know the skills background, but stepping into it, there's there's a whole lot of kind of unwritten stuff that you yeah. that you need to know to be able to take on a role like yeah. that. And it's as much about just knowing kind of the the feel of where you are and knowing yeah. what kind of personality you want to be projecting and knowing that that's okay. Yeah. And knowing who to connect in with
2: and having yeah.
1: kind of the the pulse of the place.
2: Yeah. And um, um um a large part of the role is actually just knowing, like UCC. Knowing the environment, and I've no marketing background at all, so I'm coming in from having learned on the job, and trying to rectify that now. I'm actually taking a course, uh, a springboard course in, you know, uh, um, it's a short course digital marketing. Mm. So I am learning an awful lot of stuff on that course. It's actually been run by MTU, so Mm. I'm learning a lot on that. and I come out of class every night and go, oh, okay, I can try this, I can try that. I can yeah. It's exciting. I think
1: those courses are great for kind of the the structure of like the how can I get more out of what I'm doing and yeah. how can I plan better and doing yeah. you know kind of campaigns and things, but the, but I do think that's the type of the role well there's there's definitely something in it that can't be learned and it's personality-based. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So Yeah. Uh uh I went to uh um, in May of this year, I went to Goldsmiths on Erasmus. And I met a lot of comms people, and they were really polished. And as you know me, I am not polished. I make <laughs> mistakes. I'm casual. I'm, uh, I'm the opposite of polished. I was saying that to her, and she goes, "No, no, what you have, model of the Irish, have is authenticity. We yeah, I believe that you goes further. when you speak. You know, whereas a lot of, uh." you know there are comms people or there are marketing people who Mm. it's a job you know they're promoting a brand and she says whereas a lot of the Irish people you have something in you that makes you a lot more believable so what you're saying we believe which is important for a comms person so and as you said again that's personality
1: exactly and that authenticity is it's, it's something that can't be learned and I do think that's a it's a much more valuable thing than because yeah. you can tell the difference between something that's kind of very slickly produced, yeah, but sort of slightly soulless, and something yeah. that's like, you know, this is it, <laughs> us warts and no, all, this is who yeah. we are. Like I, yeah. I I don't know, personally, I, I always feel more attracted to things that that feel more capable of, you know, being responsive yeah. and you know, reacting to things and joking and having yeah. a kind of a sense of humor than yeah. something that's maybe very high production values, but yeah quite sort of soulless and incapable of projecting any sort of humour uh, or personality yeah. or having any opinion on anything yeah. so i i'd prefer
2: you know the, i get uh, you on that the you more know, rough I, and ready approach you know because there are people who forget you know kind of social media is two words and the important word in that uh for me is social mm. you know so it's the personal side of it which is the important bit for me so yeah no and, and so that's something that i try to project from the library i try to you know, like, we are friendly, we are authoritative, we know what we're talking about, mm. uh, we are informative, except we also just, uh, our social media and our comms, we try to make it, UCC library is a nice place to visit, you know, mm. it's a nice place to use, so we try and get that across in our comms, so, yeah, and I'm aware and then- I'm, I'm aware I'm running off on lots of different tangents, so your <laughs> notes are probably all over the place here. It's
1: fine. <laughs> no, I think I take the same approach to, to this, as, as you've described to taking to your social media, that it's less about the structure and more about the journey. Yeah. And um, you, know, yeah. you have to roll with the, the flow of things rather than be too prescriptive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I completely agree in sense of you know, not, not being too sort of pole-faced about it, because I think uh, one of the things that social media can do and do well for libraries is show that there's a lot more to us than yeah. you know, these sort of stern and yeah. you know, kind of kind of straight-laced people yeah. who sit behind a desk.
2: The old stereotypes um, of us. So, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we have
1: a lot to overcome in that department. Yeah. And it's one way that we can show that, you, yeah, you can be knowledgeable, informed authoritative, but you don't that doesn't need to be at the expense of having a sense of humor and being oh, yeah. open. Um and I think we that, that's an attitude we need to embrace more yeah. in libraries. I,
2: yeah. I
1: don't like that old school of this is the right way to do things and you know we don't want to be approachable yeah. and you know
2: people shouldn't come to us with stupid questions. No, no, no we're we're here to help, you know. So yeah, so, and well, please ask us. So that's yeah. what we need. Yeah. yeah. You know, so uh, I, I remember Alan in his interview with him said we do have um, a marketing pr- like libraries we need to promote ourselves a lot more, which yeah. is why libraries and librarians I think are so active on Twitter because it's a great forum for us to be able to show who we are. Mm. You know, so and yeah, you know, because I know lots of people think you know Twitter is a toxic space and it, it is a toxic space. It can be, but. But, you know, there's a lot of positives too. Yeah. Like
1: I still find most of my you know professional development just can keeping on top of what's happening is yeah. done through Twitter because I'm often really busy during the yeah. day. So in the evenings just catching up on Twitter, it's where I see, yeah. you know, new new articles that have yeah. or new reports or keep on top of things like open, particularly something like open research yeah. areas like that. Twitter's just really good for just yeah. the immediacy of it. And it is.
2: And like a lot of our relationship build, uh, um, an awful lot of our the kind of relationship building is actually done on Twitter as well. I know so many mm. librarians who I might see once or twice a year and then exit them and touch to them all the time on Twitter. Mm. And then when you meet up at a conference, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, I was talking to you last night, and then you realise you weren't, but you were in touch with them on, on social media. So, yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: very good. I think it, it has got a lot of positives for for librarians, and particularly the Irish library community, yeah. and the people who are very active on Twitter are very approachable and you
2: know, yeah.
1: easygoing <laughs> people who are always willing to answer questions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're... Yeah, I'm interested that your your you know your entry into to UCC and your path through uh, your career in UCC, you've covered so many different areas. I hadn't realized that you had had started in uh, CH in the medical yeah. Library and going through you know yeah. humanities and social sciences. and
2: um, no, um, I've done a lot. and I think it's uh, uh, I think it's important to do a lot just in terms of your own development. Mm. I can't imagine and a lot of colleagues here have went between a lot of different areas, and I think it really stands to us. and Mm -hmm. It certainly stands to me in a comms role because I know a lot of what people are talking about, whereas if I had come into CUH and stayed there for 20 years, I wouldn't necessarily know what goes on in acquisitions. I wouldn't know what goes on in back of the house. I wouldn't know what goes on in collections. I think it's really healthy for us to have a wide overview of what we do and and I know yourself you have moved into a lot of different roles and a lot of different jobs. Yeah I think for me
1: part of that was like I I felt like I came to libraries probably wasn't that late but I was already you know almost in my 30s like by the time I got my first library job so I kind of felt like now that I'm here I'm gonna I'm just gonna absorb everything that I can take any
2: opportunity and move as much as possible and like just suck the marrow out of every job. Yeah. And in a way, I envy our colleagues and friends in Dublin, like yourself, who there's a lot more opportunity for moving in between different libraries. In Cork, if you want to work in an academic library, it's either Mm -hmm. UCC library or MTU. So as I said, I started here in 2002. So Mm -hmm. I've been in the one library for 20 years. And then I say that to younger librarians who are starting out and they look at me as if, what, <laughs> the one job? Yeah, <laughs> but, even, uh, even
1: saying anything for, for 20 years to yeah. a younger colleague.
2: <laughs> yeah, so but I uh, I would think if I had been based in Dublin, I would have been moving across libraries because that mm. helps you to move vertically and horizontally, which yeah. it sh- it sh- like really benefits. So our colleagues in Dublin, I do MVE. You know to be able to do that. That's true. But there that... is
1: a bit more. You know, there's some options, but on the other yeah. hand, when when you're in a big library yeah, like UCC, you can be within the same organisation yeah. and have done within a, a you know a twenty year career yeah. span have done you know so ten many different jobs yeah. because yeah. you're able to move around. So I think that's the beauty of a big library as well. Sometimes yeah. you can get pigeonholed in some in certain types of libraries, depending on the the sort of the the structure. Yeah. But if you've got a good kind of fluid.
2: Yeah, management struck, system
1: yeah. and your positions come up, you should be able to move around from department yeah. to department and just get a good overview of everything. Yeah,
2: no, and um, I literally wouldn't work anywhere else now than not at UCC. So hopefully that lasts long as well. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you've become kind of you know, you and UCC are you know, it's part of who you are and part of your brand, I think, that's point, yes.
2: yeah. So I, I think a lot of that is because of certain things I have done have a, an association with UCC, so. Yeah,
1: so that's kind yeah. of where I'm, where I'm going with that, was like the, the first time that I, kind of, well, I suppose I probably knew you a little bit before that, but um, when you did the, the uh, Sir Henry's exhibition, yeah, and one sir. of the things that really struck me about that was that it kind of summed up what I think you've done with your, library career, and one yeah. of the things that I think everybody should try to do in their library career is to put your personal passion and yeah. your professional life together, and when you're allowed to do that and run with yeah. it, no, good it's... things happen. So Indeed. how did that kind of start, like that the, the, the okay. Henry's exhibition? And...
2: So, um, like a lot of things for me in that day, mm. or in that time, it started on Twitter, mm. because I saw there was an exchange on Twitter, uh, erotically, You'd see an exchange on Twitter about Henry's, and but all these exchanges on Henry's were about the dancing and rave and sweat. Mm. And I, I suppose just to that...
1: interject for anybody who isn't from <laughs> oh, yeah. Ireland or isn't from Cork about what's, okay. what. What uh, yeah. Sir Henry's was is a, a very very well known uh, nightclub in yeah. the nineties in Cork. Uh,
2: it, it opened in nineteen seventy seven as um, 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 a piano bar. <laughs> which I always, found you know, because I found that because there, uh, I found that out a few weeks before the exhibition opened. But mm-hmm. it was a nightclub that was probably running for a little over twenty years, and a lot of a lot of different generations went through it. And mm-hmm. it's something that had real affection in Cork. So, mm-hmm. which is why it would be featured in papers every once in a while, even though it had shop for a number of years. And. Occasionally, then you'd get people coming on Twitter and go, "Oh gosh, I miss Henrys." And this is one of these exchanges, and I kind of, I interjected and said, "Like all this, t- literally, I think all this talk about Henrys is great, but it's much more than the dance scene. Mm. There was a bit of a rock scene, and there's a message came in from Stevie G, who ended mm. up being one of the co-curators with me, uh, and he mess- like we got into a conversation, and then I basically I thought, hang on, there's an idea for." Now to explore this more, so I, I contacted him on Twitter and said, I have an idea, would you be interested in an exhibition on Sir Henry's? And he was intrigued by the mm. notion. And then I spoke to Kronono Divlin, who was our uh, head of special collections at the time and he used to look after the exhibition space. I said, I have an idea, and he loved the idea and he told me to run with it. He advised me to get an academic on board, mm. so then, and he recommended somebody from the music department. Uh, but uh, I was good friends with Eileen Hogan, who was in applied social studies, and I knew all her research was on music and corp. Mm. So I contacted Eileen and she loved the idea. So myself, Eileen and Stevie got together and we said, this is our idea. We had n- literally no idea what we were going to do. We just wanted to do an exhibition on Sir Henry's and then our idea there was to crowdsource material. Mm. Which at that time I've been informed since no, uh, at the opening of the exhibition, Ronan uh, is is on record as saying this is one of the first exhibitions in Ireland that was crowdsourced. Mm. And what we meant by crowdsourced was we basically put a call out on Twitter and asked people if they have, you know, uh, uh, any stories or if they've any old posters or old tickets or photographs to get in touch with us, and then we gathered together like over 1,000 items, you know, kind of mm. ranging from, like, a, you know, I was, we had a set list from the Sonic Youth concert that was in Henry's where Nirvana supported. Mm. We had a guitar, we had clothing, we had set lists, we got stuff from the Lucy family who had run the club, you know, kind of license and TV license. Mm. Uh, and Greek scene was a massive... I mean, you're probably Freak Scene generation. Yeah, I
1: remember Freak Scene. Yeah. With some of my close friends went to yeah. UCC. So anytime I went down there, I went to Henry's. I don't have them. As with a lot of people, my memories of
2: Henry's <laughs> Not are curious. a little bit fuzzy. But, yeah, but um, that happens. But yeah, that Freak is. Scene was probably yeah. around my time yeah so we got an awful lot of content from free because they were really good at marketing themselves at that stage yeah because so i remember
1: they, the flyers that's actually what the fli- i remember reading they were that the flyers yeah. were really great the graphics on them were fantastic
2: yeah so we got all that kind of content from them then we had an exhibition you know it's a small exhibition space and then we had an online version where we had a blog where we got people to email us on their stories and their memories mm-hmm. and said, that was a gold mine of material because we got so many stories. <laughs> you know, so, and then there were people who had met in Sir Henry's and they got married and they were telling. And then when the exhibition happened, we had one person who messaged to say that they were bringing their kids up to show them where they met, Aww. you know, to show where mum and dad left, mm-hmm. and, you know, where they met and to show that we were, in her words, we were cool back in the day. <laughs> so, and it really took off here, you know, like kind of, um, in the space of the six months, we were featured in every Irish newspaper, mm. every Irish radio station. You know, kind of like a RTE Radio One. Uh, 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 was now Virgin? Was it uh, the AFM All Days? And and we were on on the Six One News from RTE. And I think that's the proudest my mom has ever been of me because she <laughs> saw her son yeah. on the one News. And then that's every Irish mommy's dream. <laughs> yes. So, and then I remember my mom actually photographed the TV. You know, she was had yeah. it repeating on the RT News. So she took a photograph on her camera and she now has that on the fridge. You know, so <laughs> but, uh,
1: brilliant.
2: But that for me, uh, I, as you said, I, I actually got a name. Like, out of that. So, Mm -hmm. and it will be, and uh, Eileen and myself joke, you know, that's going to be on our headstone, you know, because Eileen even said she was out in a a playground over the summer, you know, with her kids, Mm -hmm. and then there was another, uh, there was another parent came up to her and said, are you Eileen Hogan? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Eileen says in her own head, so this is what it's like to be a famous academic. And mm. Eileen said, I am. She goes, you were one of the people behind the Henry's exhibition. <laughs> so even eight or nine years on, you know, she's still getting. So that's what, as I said, it'll follow us to the grave, I think. So, But for me, it gave me so much experience because I really upped my social media game and that. Uh, I got into blogging. I s- saw how powerful a force it can be. You know, because we had a Facebook page, which was active 24 hours a day. And we had had within a month or two months, we had 5,000 followers on Facebook. Mm. And for us, it shows just the power of social media to me. It just showed how powerful Mm. a tool it can be. So.
1: And it's also a really good illustration as well of, you know, the convergence in in libraries of kind of like social history mm. and collections, mm. and I think we're used to in libraries, or the the perception again to get back to you know what the yeah the the perception of libraries and our marketing kind of yeah. challenges, even with special collections, people know that libraries hold these great collections, and that yeah. the, the I suppose the the notion tends to be that these are very old, you know. Fragile items. What really, probably struck a chord with people with the Sir Henry's exhibition was to see something that was part of their lived history. Certainly for me to remember having gone there and to be able to see an exhibition that was about something that was in my lifetime and that I remember. And it was the social history of something that was part of my my youth. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of and to to have the library be central to to bringing those two things together, to bring together the story and the artifacts and Place to yeah. display
2: them something new. What was great as well, because like kind of UCC is very strong about the town and gown, you know, mm. that you want to be part of the wider community. And uh, I remember speaking to people who were at the, like who'd never been on UCC grounds
1: mm.
2: who came up for it. Uh, I had people messaging on Facebook who had never been to an exhibition and they asked, Is it free to come in? Mm. And then I actually had a number of people asking me. Like, how do you become a librarian? Um, the, yeah. You know, because you know, they were now aware of a library and uh, there, there's a friend of mine who runs fanning sessions and he put up a wonderful blog in relation to Trust Radio, which I do as well. And he says, and he basically said along the lines of, uh, I started noticing ECC Library a few months ago or a few, uh, a few years ago when they started doing something really interesting in terms of exhibitions. Mm. So it's like, as you said, it's all about... Changing the perception. And yeah. I love, uh, I'm somebody who loves to tear down the ivory walls, mm. and universities can yeah. have an issue in terms of being an ivory tower. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what better way to tear it down by bringing in people who wouldn't see UCC as part of their lives, just to show them that it is. Mm you can come onto the grounds, you can come into the library, you can see this exhibition, so. Yeah,
1: and that we're preserving and kind of presenting this yeah. history that's so real for you, that we're, we're making sure that that's elevated beyond just yeah. some stories that we're actually kind of preserving and presenting that for you. And, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think as well as that, it shows that, you know, there needs to be somebody like you who has the spark, but then someone who can facilitate you to ignite yeah. that spark and let it go where, where it needs to yeah. go. Um, It's, so I suppose, like, that's, to me, it's a, it's a, a wonderful illustration of yeah. what, why there needs to be good management structures yeah. to kind of, to see that someone has a good idea and to clear the decks and let them
2: yeah go for it. And I also believe, like, ultimately, if you have a project you want to sell, you just need to say, as I was aware, excuse me, uh, how powerful this would be for the library. Mm. So I I had to put together um, um, a fairly strong business case, and it was all about outreach, engagement, raising profile, changing perceptions. So I I had a strong business case for why, you know, so it's not like I went to say, oh, I want to do this and they go grant, yeah. you know, so uh, our management are very aware of what will work for the library. So, and, um, um, in that case, you, you know, the exhibition would have fitted in with the strategy of of the college and of the mm-hmm. library. So yeah, so yes, yeah, so, it's good. Well happy days as as we said. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: so. um, it was a great success story, I suppose. You know, it uh, kind of shows as well what what outreach really is and you know what it can be, and taking yeah. it in a, in a new direction. Um, no. I was even from from that, then you you've mentioned Shush, so you yeah. kind of took
2: <laughs> took further steps,
1: yeah, in terms uh, of developing your or putting together your your
2: your own passions with yeah with Again, the library. Yeah, um, I am like rather passionate about music. I love music, and Shush for people who don't know, it's a radio show. It's a weekly radio. It's a weekly radio show which I do on UCC ninety eight point three FM, which is campus radio. And I uh, I actually got the idea from Brunel University, you know, because there were mm. two librarians there, John and Tim, who did a show called Locked in Library. You know, so they did a few episodes of that. So I thought this was a really cool idea. So I got in touch with them mm. and said, I love your idea. Would I be able to borrow it and do it? And they said, Yeah, go ahead. So, and I kind of probably took an extra step because they, we're not really active on social media, so I, I I took an extra step and then I set up a SoundCloud account so we could record the shows, then uh, set up a really active social media account. So then, and at the start, it was myself and Ronan Madden, you know, because I love the idea, mm. but I did not want to be doing the show on my own every week. Yeah, you know, but I
1: think this, it's important to get, you know, you, you do need somebody...
2: Yeah, Does it sort
1: of hold
2: your hand, with stuff like that. It's, yeah, so it's and it's tough it to was, be on your own with it. It is, and then I've you know, you know, for the first we started doing it in 2016, and we're still doing you now six years on. Uh, and Roland did it with me from 2016 to 2020, and COVID broke, so then mm-hmm. I was doing the shows at home, you know, just using uh, a camcorder, Panopto and Teams, you know. So mm-hmm. and then I, when I when we came back on site in 2021. Uh, Ronan wasn't able to commit to the show so I've been doing it on my own sense Mm. and then like that I didn't enjoy the show so much and then I came up with what I think is a great idea like library takeovers where I get colleagues who will come in and so I get them and probably jumping ahead but shush is basically music and library news so Mm. uh, I play maybe 40 minutes of music 45 minutes of music a week it's music that I like so it's kind of in it's on the indie spectrum and then I would have library news or interviews with library staff mm. but last november i started doing library takeovers where i get a colleague in and it's a bit like desert island discs yeah. where they choose uh, i asked to choose 4 to 5 minutes of music so they need to explain and then i have six questions i ask them and it's kind of it's almost like you're asking me here how did you end up in libraries mm. what is your role a uh, third question I ask is Prior to working in libraries, what was their impression of the library? And then when they started working, was there anything to surprise them? And then I asked what's their favorite thing about libraries? And then I ask, uh, have they any library advice? Have they any advice for people who are thinking of becoming librarians? Mm. And then so we have the talking and then we have the music. And for me, the music is the really interesting part because it provides an insight into a person, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm Uh, always really interested to hear people's musical tastes or or to see their musical collections.
2: Yeah, so, and I think a lot of us are like that. And Mm. I I think we're like that because if somebody is into, say, uh, early 20th century jazz Mm -hmm. or whatever, or Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. early 50s jazz is kind of going, why and how? You know, so, and -hmm. then I like that. And then there's, you know, there's colleagues who are very into classical music. Who I wouldn't expect them to be in classical music. Yeah. I'm curious as to why. I love when
1: somebody just throws you something kind of completely that you're yeah. not expecting on their musical taste, and like, okay, there's something, yeah. uh, there's something deeper going on there. You're, yeah,
2: yeah. It just no, gives you a little
1: kind of insight into their personality that maybe you haven't noticed before. Yeah,
2: I think that. And our, our colleagues, you know, so there's there's been a few there's been a few shows only where a colleague has said to me. I never knew that X was into that type of music. Mm. And then the next time to see them, like, they talk about it, you know, yeah. so it, it's helping to build connections between our, our our colleagues as well. And it's something. And again, I, I had to go to Colette McKenna, who's our recently retired library director. So mm. uh, she was very supportive of Trush on the way through. And I had to go to her again with a business case about why. And again, it was outreach. Uh, Changing perceptions, it was about promoting the library, engaging. She was not particularly happy with the name first because, you know, sure, she's a stereotype. And I mm-hmm. says, well, no, actually, you know, what I'm trying to do here is that uh, I'm subverting. It's a, yeah, it is,
1: it's a subversion of the notion of what yeah. people think of what libraries are.
2: Yeah. So, but, and again, it's something that I'm getting known for now as well. So, and, and, uh, and it's been good for the library because I presented a lot on it. And then Mm. you often, and then I get people going, my God, a library having music, a radio show, and then their perception of UCC library changes. So, Mm. and I know of one other college which started a radio show after hearing us talk, that was Goldsmiths. And then I've had a few queries from other libraries as well, asking how do we go about this? So we might be at the start of uh, radio shows across the library world, (laughs) you know, so. Mm. Yeah,
1: so. And what's the perception from students or what kind of feedback do you get from students uh, listening to it or what they learn from it?
2: I've had students who have contact. Uh, there is one student who does a radio show after mine. You know, mm-hmm. I say I'm on 11 to 12 on Monday and then then there's a student who had a show after me who contacted me going. And it was after takeover shows when she was hearing about librarianship mm-hmm. and she's actually interested in exploring like library school and how to become a librarian and a lot of our listeners would be there's regular listeners and a lot of them will be graduates of UCC I know a lot of time come for the music mm. and the students they are listening to it um on campus because the show is the kind of uh all the radio shows are played in all the coffee shops and they're played in the bars and restaurants and the hairdresser on campus. So they're getting to hear. Uh, I don't have a lot of feedback from students. I get feedback from academic staff. Mm. But then again, a lot of that might be the music as well, because I'm playing, uh, you know, my interest would be kind of indie rock from the 80s on. So mm-hmm. I'm playing a lot of music, which probably having an influence on the, the music the students are listening to today, nowadays. But there are other radio shows in UCC 98.3 FM who, who interact with me. And again, that's people who love music. Mm. A lot of them like the same type of music. So th- th- I know I veered off. Uh, I'd say most of our feedback would come from staff mm. or a lot, of our, um, um, a lot of our feedback would, would come from graduates to the college who listen in just to keep in touch with UCC, you know, like in that way. So in terms of the student body, I wouldn't be able to one hundred percent say yeah. There's there's a there's there's a thousand undergraduates listening to it and they love this and they love that. So, but mm. in terms of staff, I can give a better answer. You know, so yeah,
1: yeah I think so. students tend to be less forthcoming about whether they're listening to something unless they have yeah. a question to, to ask about it. Yeah, they're not yeah. necessarily going to to know. Whereas as you said, academics and and colleagues are yeah. more likely to.
2: Kind of directly make
1: it. make contact with you and, and tell you what their, their feedback is yeah,
2: that's, yeah. That's,
1: so yeah it's uh it has been kind of uh, a real success story in, yeah. in UCC and a great illustration of you know oh, you the power yeah the well the power of just having um a structure that's perceptive to if someone has a good idea yeah. And they present a good case for it
2: Yeah. and try it and see. You know, yeah. No, I, and, you know, that happens quite a lot here as well, you know, because I have mm-hmm. a lot of really engaged colleagues who have ideas and we basically go to management and say, this is an idea we have. We are told to lay out a business case mm-hmm. and there's been stuff that I have went with which hasn't been approved, except a lot of the stuff. Like, you know, what the most recent thing we did was for Culture Night, and mm. we had a live gig with Boa Marte Morte in the, uh, you know, uh, 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 we've got a room called the Creative Zone, which is a more, um, it's a flexible space. So then for Culture Night, I said, right, I'd like it, I we'd like to have a live gig in the library. So again, we had mm. take a business case and it went down really well. We had uh, over 70 people came to the gig and to Morte have their fourth album coming out in February. And on Culture Night, they basically play the album from start to finish, which will never happen. Again. You know, they won't do that mm. again. You know, so it was an event. So again, it's something different. And it's again, I, I made a case. So, but, uh, uh, I, I don't think there's any harm in trying new things. You know? No, so, neither do yeah, I. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I'm all about that. Just usually when I do it, it all blows up my face. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, um, no, no, no. I think it's important for you know, management structures to to be receptive to that I I know that you know it's it's not often the case so I think you know hats off to um to the senior staff in in UCC there that they they recognize that and have created a an environment where yeah there's you know fertile ground for for new ideas and new approaches to to come to come up um so just to kind of get a bit more recent you know you're because you're so known for your communications uh background yeah. and your social media prowess you uh were on the communications team well, for for ifla yeah. recently uh how did that were you approached about that or uh yeah it I seemed
2: like approach- that was
1: that kind of the again it was kind of the the obvious role for you
2: well uh, i um i was initially approached in 20 it was supposed to happen in 2020 hmm. wasn't it if yeah so and i was approached in late 2019 and asked would I be interested in doing it and of course I actually didn't know about it at that time you know so but then I said yeah I'd love to do it and then of course 2020 came and it was cancelled and Mm -hmm. then uh, I spoke to Eva earlier earlier this year asking was it happening and then I expressed Mm -hmm. that I'm still interested in leading the team and then and I came uh, and so like I saw like Ava had said, yeah, we want you on the comms team. And then it was myself and Saoirse from Maynooth mm. who were leading the team. Uh, and I think we worked really well yeah. as a team. I we had actually,
1: yeah. speaking of people who are known for just their their, yeah. their good social media game. You know, hats off to to so She does a great yeah. job with the the LAI social media as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I never worked with Siersha before that. Actually mm-hmm. we worked really well. And we had a team of I think it was. In total, it was nine people and then who were all volunteers. And then we had to work closely with the IFLA, uh, the IFLA comms team. Mm -hmm. uh, And we worked really well with Vesna and Lewis, who were leading that team. Uh, We worked really well with them. And then uh, um, our job was basically not to create content for the website and to create content for social media. It was all moderated. We didn't have access, you know, to put stuff up. So mm. we basically created the content and we, our job was to create a buzz around the conference, mm. which I think we we did. You know, librarians like love Twitter. If, if you go yeah. to library conferences, we're normally trending within a few hours. And of course, trending- Yeah, trendy, I used to like to say yeah. at
1: the ASL conference, I was like, we we'll take bets. Trending yeah. by 11 o'clock in the morning yeah. was
2: yeah. always so, my, my well,
1: benchmark of like, we need to be trending by 11 on yeah, yeah. the so, morning of the first day.
2: Yes. And we have to give a shout out to a paper we wrote a number of years ago about that, you know, you know with the use of Twitter at ANSL as well. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. A- and uh, so we we were working for a week on, it's been probably one of the busiest weeks I've ever had, you know, mm. like when it was it was literally 13, 14 hour days. Uh but we were on such a buzz our team worked really well together we became really close and at seven series, I've written a paper on the experience so that should hopefully be coming out in uh, hopefully this month on we we, uh, we wrote the paper for on Laurland so hopefully that'll be coming out again and our whole thing about leading the team was about openness transparency trusting your team leading rather than managing and not being heavy on people you know so mm-hmm. it was again it was um, kind of a light touch way of leading a team we trusted our colleagues you know that they would be explaining what we needed uh, and we told them, this is what we need to me and then we let them do it so mm-hmm. and I think everyone of us on that team was on a high for the week. And everybody then, yeah.
1: everybody <laughs> yeah. was on a high for a week it was like like, like, remember- just like all this pent up yeah, not being out of the house and not seeing people for two years was just unleashed. It was,
2: and what I, I I remember coming back here and I love coming into my job, and there was a bit. Of, I'm going back to my normal job now. And mm. Sarah said the same thing. Uh, Patrick Boddy from UCD said the same thing, and Erica said the same thing about her job as well. It was kind of about, oh, we had such a great time. Yeah there week, always,
0: there's
1: a bit of that like the, the kind calm of down. Come, back, come down yeah. but I think yeah. you go back to after conferences or just you know, meeting up with people and seeing what, what what's been done in other yeah. libraries and seeing you know, getting an opportunity to talk to people from different backgrounds and yeah. seeing what, what kind of different projects are going on you always come back I always come back kind of fizzing with yeah. possibilities yeah. I mean usually within a week or so I'm back <laughs> to kind of like okay
2: not reality possible, check yeah. I'm
1: not gonna you know I yeah. don't have an army of people to help me do yeah. this stuff so
2: <laughs> no, but it's essential to go to these comp because I love going and meeting colleagues mm. from elsewhere and sharing ideas and and as you said there's it's almost like a you know it, it's almost like a
1: yeah like I was like definitely <laughs> high on yeah. just, I hadn't been around people in such a long time that I think I was just wired by you know the yeah. end of
2: kind of day one. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of the term. Is it dopamine or, you know... Dopamine what? Yeah. hit, yeah. yeah. It, it was almost like a dopamine hit. When I mean, you go to a conference, it is like a dopamine hit. You know, the mm-hmm. Connell Conference, you know, the first one, which was held in May, was like that as well for so many people because we didn't have a face-to-face conference. Yeah. And, like, we've had online sessions, and I don't think it's, they work as it's well. It's
1: not the same. I mean, I, no. I understand the value of them because, I mean, you just mentioned earlier about, you know, being in Dublin and there's more... Libraries here and there's more stuff here and we always got the you know the feedback from the ANSL conference about why does it always have to be in Dublin? It's like well because we're all based here and that you know all roads lead there and at least when things are online you are widening out the field and people who may not otherwise be able to go are able to go and maybe people who have mobility or health issues um, it's a bit easier for them but I definitely am of the school that thinks that much as I appreciate sometimes doing stuff online I just can't interact in the same way it's it doesn't really
2: work for me I
1: don't feel like I can kind of communicate as well with people when I'm just doing it through a screen
2: yeah
1: um I mean I'm not that brilliant at it in person either Uh, but at least when you're doing it like when you're talking to somebody for for a while uh I think there are types of conversations that just never happen if you're just doing it online because it tends to be a much more structured and formalized yeah yeah so it's there's always stuff that you hear about, like you you go to a conference and you see somebody presenting on a project, and then you talk to them afterwards and you get yeah. all the like, well, this is actually like, you know, who <laughs> I talked about this bit. Well, no, yeah, here's what really happened. You know, there's always those little bits that okay, you're not yeah. going to talk about formally in the yeah. presentation, but they're the kind of the you know the the juicy stuff that yeah, you know, if you're going to do something similar, you'll know that you yeah. can check back in with yeah. that person yeah. and kind of and it's
2: get always some you know. Like it's almost like the five minute comfort, you know. So, uh when you're waiting for your lunch in a queue, you know, so mm. you're chatting to the person beside you, and then when you're eating your food, and it's it's like it's not just at the at the papers that you're learning. It's mm. as you said, these little incident, these incidental five minute conversations.
1: Yeah, is it's where the a lot accidental of the magic, stuff. Yeah, like the, you know, going back to you know, how did you get into libraries? They, it's that that happy accident. Mm. Like sometimes it's, you start a conversation with somebody because you're just talking about like the fact that you like their shoes. Yeah, and then it becomes <laughs> that you find out that actually you followed the person on Twitter or yeah. you know like. You have some yeah. other connection to them and that's that's happened to me before <laughs> you just strike up a conversation with seemingly a stranger and then you end up knowing them somehow
2: yeah. it's that right. I like yeah. the the serendipity of that yeah so so we put a call out for in person <laughs> yeah mm, yeah, well, yeah. I,
1: do, I do accept that there are
2: Exceptions. there are benefits yeah. to yeah. The, the online
1: stuff as well yeah. but um I was definitely missing the the in person so was I yeah because um, I find it, you know, I don't know how many times during COVID when I signed up for, you know, a webinar or something, and because things were so busy for me, I'd be watching a webinar with one eye or listening yeah. to it and doing, you know, responding to emails at the same time. Yeah. My, if I need to be physically in a place to be yeah. properly focused on it because yeah. I'm just not, otherwise I'm going to be doing three things at the same time. Yeah. So and at least when it's in person, you can commit to it properly. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, in fairness, one of the best thing, like one of the best events I've been at in quite a while, was the LEI C D G event a few months ago, which mm-hmm. was uh, it was Mario Neil and uh, Emma Doran, you mm-hmm. know, and, and there was a panel then, and they were ta- and it was basically advice for early career, mm-hmm. early career professionals. Uh, that's probably the event which has worked best for me online watching mm. it and I don't know why it might have been the format or it might it was an hour long an hour and a half long or it might have been the topic it just worked really well you know so
1: it's hard to get the the balance right with on yeah. online events like I you know we tried a few with uh ANSL and sometimes it works and sometimes I think just keep yeah. it needs to be short it's it's amazing how difficult it is to maintain the yeah.
2: the attention yeah.
1: when you're doing something online. You wouldn't think that it's taxing, but
2: it is. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think we went off on a tangent there. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think we, I think we did. Yeah. We always, always cut that out. Yes, um, we can. We but can. yeah. <laughs> yeah really uh, so where, wh- where, where to next with, with Shush, with uh, your, your rule? Um,
2: I don't know. I'm not a big one for um, I've never had a plan in terms of my career. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not,
1: I, 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 I feel the same way. I, mean, yeah, I'm not, I try to have plans. They blow up spectacularly, well, so now I just don't bother
2: <laughs> like a lot of stuff, you know, kind of opportunities arise are like a um, a lot of mine has been look. a lot of you know situations. I would never have expected that I would' have run an exhibition. Uh, I would never have expected. That I would have had the opportunity to go to China for four weeks at work. I would never have expected to be able to spend a week in um uh um library in London. It's like kind of opportunities will arise and it's when these opportunities uh, arise where I go, oh, I'm gonna try that. Like Shush, it was chance. It, it, um had I not seen that tweet online, I wouldn't have done and I, even the course I'm doing now for digital marketing, I hadn't planned to do that. I was just you know, going through um, uh, our Instagram feed and there was an advert for this course, a springboard course. So uh, as to where I'm going, um, I'm loving my role at the moment. I hope to keep going at this. Uh, as to where I'll be in five, 10 years, you know, the ultimate interview question.
1: I have <laughs> I no would, idea. I would <laughs> never <laughs> ask that
2: yeah. anyone but, in an interview because I think that's it. I hate
1: that question because yeah. it's so I'm structured it's and, and know, it's based yeah. on this assumption that people... Can plan that far
2: ahead. you can't. You shouldn't really plan plan that far ahead. I do. Like, uh, I know I'm in a role now, and I was speaking to one of the lecturers in the course the other night. There is a lot of money in comms if you're Mm -hmm. in the no. No, the big tech companies are hiring, and they're hiring really big money. Except, and if I was career oriented or, or ambitious, or money oriented I'd be going right I'm going to leave libraries. Uh, but I can say I'm hoping that you know, you know the future will still be libraries you know so no matter what I'm doing like uh, mm. I, uh, I love this profession and you know I'm extremely passionate about what we do. yeah and I think it's essential. so all I can say is at this moment I would say that like to cut you no, know, the future for me is libraries and the future for me is UCC Library because I am settled in Cork so yeah, but, yeah.
1: I can't imagine you anywhere
2: other than Cork <laughs> yeah so <laughs> like but.
1: transplanted to you know the hills of Donegal or
2: something. no 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 <laughs> nice for holidays and stuff but yeah. yeah so no no it's uh it's libraries I think mm. so
1: and to and I'm just gonna to, to finish off ask you one of your own questions
2: okay steal
1: from your um shush what's what's your advice for people coming into to the library world I mean I think just listening to you is good advice,
2: Okay, that's just, just listening
1: to you talk about the you know, the, no, uh, the career path that you've gone through and the opportunities that
2: have come up and being open to them. Now, see, um, anybody watching now, if this is on the screen, my head has swollen really big there. No, <laughs> no, like, no, like kind of, uh, for me, the best advice would be to be engaged with the profession, mm. you, you know to take opportunities like I hate the term networking, you know, as, yeah. as in the term. But networking is basically you're making friendships and relationships with others. So uh, network with others. If you're uncomfortable, like use Twitter, library Twitter, as I call it. Use mm-hmm. that uh, as a way to get to know people. Like uh, that the library community is, for me, is such a supportive community. And the,
1: the people who are out and are...
2: Yeah.
1: Actively engaged on Twitter and are at networking events are, they're the people who are very approachable. And like, obviously, there's there's always going to be people who
2: don't get that criteria.
1: But the ones who are out and available and, you
2: know, networking
1: are the ones who are
2: receptive and
1: and responsive.
2: If we say to you that, uh, I always say to, or interns to come here, because one of my roles is actually managing the interns, still, uh, which is something I've wanted to keep, because it comes under a comms role for me that Mm. I'm promoting the library, I say to them that if anybody in the library says to you, if you have a question in six months, a year, two years, uh, you can contact me. If we say that you know for our young professionals if a librarian mm. or somebody working in the library profession says to you if you have any questions in the future ask me we mean that mm. so and obviously if you're thinking of a career in libraries i say go for it there's so much you can do there it does allow you to follow your passions and take risks a lot of the stuff i have done might have been deemed risky yeah and you used the phrase early, blow up, and it could have blown up in my face. And even the role I'm doing now, you know, myself and Saoirse were talking when we were writing the paper, like, but the biggest challenge for us was, comms role is really public. Mm. If you mess up with a comms role, it's very obvious you've messed up because it's out there and it's seen. And mm-hmm. I, I've had colleagues said to me recently that, oh my God, you're really busy. And I said, it's not that I'm really busy. It's just that everything I do, you're able to see.
1: Yeah, it's very and visible.
2: I, yeah, and, and then I said, you're as busy as I am, but a lot of what you do is hidden. Mm. So, so okay, so network in the sense of make relationships and build relationships, uh, take risks, and get involved in the profession, like write, present to conferences, or, or, or even go to conferences, because like for me, I'm a nervous speaker, and I'm really uncomfortable. Like, well, at the start, I was really uncomfortable. You know, when I was speaking at a conference, I was so nervous. Uh, and I've done it so often now that mm. I am uncomfortable with it. So, again, that's me taking risks and kind of me stepping outside my comfort zone. So, but n- I
1: think, you know, nobody's ever comfortable with, with doing that. And yeah. Yeah. I- most people who go to conferences or anybody else who's ever stood up in front of an audience and presented at yeah. something will never criticise. So, no. so you can yeah. mess up a little bit and anyone who's ever been in that position will never yeah. say anything to you. Yeah. I think the people who, who point out mistakes are always the ones who never get up in yeah. front of anybody uh, and
2: do it themselves. Like uh, one of the first times I met you in person was at the NSL conference in uh, 2016. 2016. Was that the one with the fire alarm?
1: Went that off. was the one with the yeah, fire so
2: alarm, and you like,
1: were a trooper; like you but got that, through
2: that. Well <laughs> see, that for me was the best lesson because it was the first time I presented at a conference. Mm. It was um, a clean recession, so it was a full room. I was mm-hmm. so nervous. But it
1: was a big full conference. It was well. a big like, full one conference. Of our biggest...
2: And anything that could go wrong went wrong in terms <laughs> of the technology. Fire alarm went off. But for me, I looked out at that crowd and every person was encouraging me. Mm -hmm. There were people came up to, after the fire alarm went off, there were people came up to me afterwards and said, oh my God, I was in my head, I was in your position. How would I have handled that? Mm. So that's the thing, like uh, everybody at that conference was wishing me well. And I think it's the same whenever you present, you know, the the audience are on your side. So
1: Yeah, and the ones who aren't. Invariably, are people who have never been in that position. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, so like I'd recommend, you know, put yourself in a position. Start yeah. small. Start with a, um, you know, one of the LAICG, you CDG events, or you know, mm. kind of uh, one of the slip events. You know, which are your peers, and then you start to progress. So no, and libraries are great. You know, so if you're thinking about, you know, uh. It's a great profession, there's great colleagues, so I'd recommend you go for it and find your niche and find your field, you know, because it's such a wide area that you will find something that you will love and be passionate about. So, yeah, Yeah. that's okay. Great advice. Okay, well, (laughs) I'm going
1: to let you go. Um, Thank you very much. I think I could have have gone on for another couple of hours talking to you, but I'll let you you go. It's a Friday afternoon.
2: Um,
1: Thanks so much for for joining me and um, being such a great guest.
2: Thank you.
0: has been on my intended guest list for a long long time so thanks to him for being the absolute belter of a guest i knew he would be go check out shush i'll put the link um, in the show notes as ever i'll leave you with the vague promise that more episodes are on the way to make sure you know when they land please subscribe you can subscribe on apple spotify or stitcher and if you are a new listener please do go back and check out the seven year back catalogue of episodes Until next time, please continue to let your librarian voice be loud. Librarians Aloud is produced and presented by Laura Rooney-Ferris. Music and sound design are by Michael Ferris.